Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Kinetic Life Podcast, brought to you by Kinetic Renew. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your way to your dreams, your goals, and your success. We'll be fueling that with key information on topics like health, science, tech, and lifestyle, coated with a few laps along the way. In this episode, body health versus brain health. Does early retirement mean poor brain health? Biomic motivation. A happier gut motivates you to exercise. So, go with your gut. How good are you at getting energy out of the food you eat? Does your bacteria suck? The six-minute workout for a better brain. Twins born identical, exercising, their right to be different. The fountain of youth in a cocktail. Plus a few helpful tips and tricks to help you on your journey. And now we begin. Here's Michael Chalaboudis and Dr. Mark Hertzberg. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinetic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Chalaboudis, with my good friend, Dr. Mark Hertzberg. It's about time you got to me, rambling on and on and on and on. Hello out there. How are we doing today, Mark? We are doing well. Almost spiffy. How are you doing? Eh, doing pretty good. Cool. It's, it's Friday. So, oh. Thursday for those listening, Friday for us recording. How does that uh, work? Time well, we, dilation. Yeah, yeah. we record so fast that we actually go back in time to post. It's like um, Superman going around the world. I'm going to make you laugh so hard it'll knock you into the next week, whatever that means. I've heard people say, <laughs> knock me into the next week. And yet you didn't come back with any stock tips. <laughs> you would think he brings us six numbers. That's all I'm looking for. Couple scores. <laughs> Speaking of six numbers, everyone's dream is an early retirement, but is that something you should really be searching for, Mark? Well, I don't know about everyone. Ain't my dream, but some people dream of it. And uh, apparently it became a program uh, in China to make people retire early. And they found out stuff by following the people. By early, they meant early 60s, not yeah. working longer, not uh, super early. And they actually found that they had a lot of dumb, healthy people. Were they really healthy? Apparently, that when they made to retire or agreed to retire early was actually some kind of deal. Their cognition went down. But all other measures of general health and mortality were better. Mm. So now, so uh, they were saying there are a lot of good things about this. To me, they were very lax in how they, you know, they kind of just looked at, oh, maybe it's this. They didn't think it through or do much work. Yeah. Uh, whoever wrote the article again, okay, because they were talking in that the schedule and this. And that it may have been helping health, but they said, that, you know, uh, they really didn't go into deep, or at least intelligent analysis. Now, first of all, one thing to me, if, if I retired from official work, I would still be working, so uh, doing stuff, but I would be on my own schedule, which means I would probably be sleeping way better. So you'd be healthier in that That's department. a health thing. Uh, there are a lot of things on the schedule. I'd be eating at the... Uh, 
what for me are the right times instead of having to force things because you don't know when you can eat again. A lot of things like that. So I could see a lot of reasons that the health could improve, but that wouldn't happen if you were like retired and just became a couch potato. Oh, unfortunately, the average individual does retire and become a couch potato. Well, it depends in what culture. Uh, very true. In what culture is right. Now, yeah. now the, well, okay. Uh, I was going to say your brain is one of those things. Yeah, yeah. The thing you're pointing to is like your bones. If you don't use it, you lose it. So, I, wait, now I need to go count all my bones and make sure that I still have them all. <laughs> the, uh, but okay, so we don't want to lose our brain. So, more often than not, when people retire, if they don't do anything that's cognitive stimulating, whether it's even just social interaction, physical activity, or reading, or trying to learn something new, um, there is usually some sort of cognitive decline. They also, uh, they they did mention that those who had uh, more of a social life and kept active that way had less of a cognitive decline, but they weren't necessarily getting some of the task challenges or whatever that keeps. Uh, the flip side is they didn't tell you what type of jobs people were retiring from. Now, mm. they weren't going after top scientists and executives and you know people with certain types of jobs and telling them to retire early. Yeah, it was so uh, they rural might have been a lot of people doing tough labor, mm. maybe in tough conditions. Uh, where getting away from that when you're 63 years old is probably a good thing for your health. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you got to go through a lot of things. So, to me, if you really would figure it out and break it down, it isn't retired versus working. It's what type of activities. And there's some activities that the people who kept working would do more that helped the brain and there's some activities that when they retired, they either didn't do harmful activities or did some things better. But you could have a happy medium where you do the best of both. Okay, so if I knock you in the next week and you come back with six numbers and I can retire early, I should still be active and using my brain and not become a complete potato. And that's why sometimes it's much smarter say never retire. Just every once in a while get a new career. <laughs> mm, that's what we're looking at. Yeah, I, I, don't, I actually don't see myself ever really doing nothing. It's more of like, oh, maybe instead of six plus days a week, yeah, I work three days at my own schedule. <laughs> and also instead of working because uh, I got to get up and be here for a certain time to do a job that isn't interesting me anymore. Mm -hmm. I have enough money to just get up when I feel like it and work on projects that might be more intellectually stimulating. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that reminds me, there's one other thing which just shows a prejudice, not an intelligent scientific thing. They were talking about social versus people who are lonely. And I'm going, you know, they have to separate something because they define they basically define lonely and social as with people and alone. There are a lot of people who are very happy alone. They ain't lonely and yeah. they're extremely healthy. There are other people who could be in the middle of a crowd and just not interacting or socially. They're isolated, so it it's really people who are forced out of what they want to be. If you want to be alone and you're forced. To be with people too much, that's not healthy. Mm. So I guess the health aspect of it when you're retired is it's really up to you 
So you're improving your health because you're not doing the things that don't suit you. But in the next breath, sometimes people also stop doing other things that are good for them. And people who are go-getters, then generally go-getters won't retire. But self-motivated, go-getters, curious people are not going... When they, quote, retire means leave the job, they don't retire from life. They can sometimes get more active on intellectual things. Mm -hmm. People who just can't wait to retire to sit down and do as little as possible, their brain is going to fade. Oh, yeah. And fade fast. As well as, as well as their bones, if they're not moving either. But I would tell all the groups, those who retire and aren't doing much, those who retire and want to be active, and those who don't retire, our sponsor, Kinetic, is probably a good thing for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> all the above. <laughs> Keep that brain fresh as we age. I think it's time to retire this discussion. There are people who make things happen. There are people who watch things happen. And there are people who wonder what happened. To be successful, you need to be a person who makes things happen. An amateur does it till they get it right. A professional does it till they cannot get it wrong. Author unknown. Mark, as you progress with modern science, we they have, you know, discovering new areas of which we could live longer. Obviously, you know, whether it's just improves uh, medicine to better lifestyle. Um, but what if our gut can motivate us to potentially live longer? Well, first of all, sometimes, uh, like you're walking uh, in the forest or in a dark street or something, and I get this gut feeling that I'm being watched, and I move and save my life. So I know about gut motivation and health. <laughs> but um, I think you're going for something else. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's what exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> so apparently they believe that there's a connection between oh there is a, a gut brain access we know that that's something we've discussed many a time before but apparently your gut could help motivate you to exercise more or is your exercising you mean helping your gut says, motivate you're too fat for this ride <laughs> you should exercise more that's supposed to motivate me <laughs> yes so they actually looked at this I believe in mice Ooh. for the first uh, for the uh, the first part of the experiment, and they looked that you know certain mice uh, were more active on the I guess little treadmill than others. So they first looked at all genetic components and couldn't really find much of a difference. But they saw that there was a I believe that they wanted to look at the gut component next, and through uh, introduction of an antibiotic to kill off most of the gut microflora, those that were active all of a sudden became inactive. And the microflora also got killed. Yeah, well, they no longer were there, and then all of a sudden they stopped, the uh, mice stopped working out, which made them, like you know, put two and two together and say, okay, maybe the gut is playing a role here, and they did some further investigation. So what you're saying is that uh, the biome, some of its uh, secretions and uh, molecules and different ways it communicates with the brain, other than the fact they skip a simple thing, which is a lot of your energy is by how well the gut uh, absorbs food and stuff. So if you're low energy, you're going to be low motivated and exercise. Mm, true. But so you really have to do something to account for that. But once you do... Uh, the the biome is part of the system and this communication. They 
I think, introduced a concept that has a great word because it's long, interoceptomimetics. <laughs> no, 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 I skipped a syllable. Interoceptomimet. Oh, no, 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 that's good. There's so much in there. It's cool. Those are molecules that stimulate afferent sensory pathways, and that, by doing so, influence brain activity by peripheral intervention. So they, they, they initially describe it as the gut motivating you, but it's almost a feedback loop because some exercise caused the these two types of bacteria to release these fatty acids that then inter, uh, stimulated a sensory neuron in the gut, which connects the gut-brain access, causing the release of dopamine in the brain. So it's actually not so much the gut. Well, I guess it, it is all one big feedback loop because you exercise, your gut then causes you to release dopamine, you feel good, you want more dopamine, you go back to exercising again, causing okay, well, your gut to release more. Well, yeah, well, dopamine, because there are different ways to motivate, and one would be to, like, just take control of the brain and say, you know, center that, decide what to do, and control it. But dopamine is a reward for mm -hmm. doing what you did. So, uh, a lot of things people do for dopamine hits, but they just don't realize that a lot of addictive uh, behaviors offer dopamine hits. But the thing here, because there's one kind of nuance, and I want to separate it uh, because this makes it sound like you're being taken over by pods or alien things, you know, that the biome is pulling puppet strings and controlling. Oh, they're in control. In nature, there are examples there are ants that will take over other ant colonies and control them like zombies there are parasites that will do that to certain uh, well it's big in the insect world but even when uh we've discussed before like the rat that loses its fear of cats so the cat oh will, yes the okay. parasite I but these called. are things that are nothing to do with you they get inside you uh to abuse you for their benefit. With the biome, that's a very uh, simplistic to the point of being incorrect. Because you start thinking like, we were here, this biome came in, and oh, it does some good things, but it also does things like this for its own purposes. We were never here without the biome. Biome is part of what we are from ground zero. Mm-hmm. So there is no us. There's no complete unit without that. Yes. But in this situation, as we talked many times in the past, having the right combination of gut microflora can do great things for your cognitive ability, immune system. In this situation, it's helping motivate for physical activity, which in this day and age uh, is a wonderful thing. <laughs> right. But if we were saying like this instead of the biome that has all of its own components and separate DNA from what we call our DNA, mm -hmm. the main DNA, and even that, the DNA that we need to survive, part of it is mitochondria in our cells, and that ain't ours, that's bacteria. The, but if you were to say, uh, there's a way that something in the hippocampus reacts, and we're not talking outside, we're talking our own cells and how they use their own genes, 
and it's unbalanced and causing this, or when it's in balance, it causes us to do that. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be, you would say, well, that's how our control system was designed. You yeah. wouldn't start saying like, oh, wow, something's interfering, whether for good or bad. And I'm just saying the biome isn't really an outside thing like a parasite doing that. It's part of how our control system would have developed over millennia, if not, well, millennia thousands. How do you say billions? Millennia? <laughs> the Kinetic Life Podcast is sponsored by Kinetic Renew with benefits like anxiety relief that doesn't knock you out. In fact, it increases energy, focus, and provides brain support. So get on with your day with Renew. Available in liquid or gel caps. Visit kineticlife.com now and try it. That's K-I-N-E-T-I-Q life.com now all right well staying on on gut microbes while continuing to look at the gut scientists uh and you can correct me on this one i believe they start out by looking at the uh, the gut bacteria for obese mice and the thought concept was that it played a role in how fast food pretty much went through your digestive system. And the thought process was that it would slow food down because if you're taking in more nutrients, the, they thought the food was being evacuated at a much slower rate. Little did they know that the results found that this type of gut microflora in the obese mice was causing a you to absorb more energy from your food and discharge it much faster. It's a super efficient bacteria. Well, uh, just to clarify, what they thought they would find is that if you ate a certain amount of food, what percentage of the potential calories do you actually absorb and make use of? So when you say eat that much of that, you'll get uh, fat. Yeah. And again, there are a lot of things that go into it, how much you're burning, whatever. But they're like, when they list this, this many calories in the food, they're assuming you absorb all of it. But you might say this food has a thousand calories. You're lucky to absorb 800 and somebody might only absorb 400. And although you say, well, then you can eat more and not get fat in reality that's evolutionary evolutionarily a bad thing meaning you need more and more food and working to get food to survive yeah we don't want that if you're not so you want to be Some as efficient but what they thought was that the longer you keep the food in your gut the more time you have to absorb it so you'll absorb it better and that if you just were running it through too fast you wouldn't have time to get the energy out of it, so you should be inefficient at getting mm-hmm. energy out of it. And then they looked at the microflora, or what they found confused them, because they're idiots. Uh, they found that the mice that passed it through faster also got more energy out of it. And they were saying, how come if I have less time to extract the energy, I'm weirdly getting more energy out of it and the mice that were uh, taking their time getting all the energy weren't getting the energy out of it and they said this makes no sense we don't understand it but it's what we found it makes perfect sense they're assuming that the speed is to speed and that's how much time you got the energy it's the other way around no you 
absorb the energy. If you absorb it efficiently, you kick the food out right away. If you're bad, you keep the food, and but no matter how long you keep it, you're never as good at getting the energy out. Yeah. So the long stay is making up for the inefficient absorption of energy. It's not that the long stay gives you more time. They're, 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 like you all absorb it at equal speed, and the long stay lets you absorb more. You keep it long because you're horrible at absorbing it. No, I mean, it makes complete sense, especially from an evolutionary standpoint. And I would imagine, when, you know, the, the certain gut microflora they're looking at from an evolutionary standpoint would be wonderful. Years ago, you wanted to be able to absorb as well as you can and remove and move on. Where at this day and age, people don't want to be absorbing too much of anything. They want the French fries and mm. they want zero calories at the French fries. Mm. So, I already got to call everybody an idiot, uh, all the researchers an idiot. So, I've had fun from this one. It's time, I think, to move to another chance for me to make fun of somebody. self-image is the best possible preparation for success. Joyce Brothers. The secret of your success is determined by your daily agenda. John C. Maxwell. Success is a science. If you have the conditions, you get the result. Oscar Wilde. Speaking of speed, are six-minute abs actually a real thing? Six-minute abs or six-minute workouts? Two different things. Oh, you could say either one. Okay. Six-minute abs, absolutely not. Six-minute <laughs> workouts, absolutely they wonderful. They could be an intense workout. You never know if it's six-minute ab intense. The power ab workout. <laughs> the I abstain from speaking about abs any longer. It's... <laughs> Okay, so it's too abstract. Apparently, the short term, or in this situation, they I believe it was six minutes. They looked at high intensity workouts. You might think of hit workouts are actually substantially more effective than the slow, long, extended workout that some people might do. They didn't give a time frame on the, the long though. More effective based on what criteria? What were they trying to be effective uh, about, oh, Swami? The uh, synthesis and, and release of BDNF, brain-derived neurofactor, which is an important um, brain thing. Yeah, uh, growth factor. I think it's believe growth factor for both the growth and maintenance of uh, neurons, so Neuro- brain cells. So, in this particular thing, we're not talking about burning energy, uh, improving cardiovascular fitness, improving long-term health, improving abs. We're talking about improving the brain. Mm -hmm. And keeping your brain fresh and strong. Okay. And maybe because people doing this improve their brain, I don't think they said anything stupid in this article. No. And actually, they they compared, they they said the six-minute short-term high-intensity to long- not intense workouts. I, was, I don't remember if they actually put a time frame on it, but they said it was six times, yes, six times more BDNF was released during the high-intensity workouts. 
So you could be on your lunch break, eat for 24 minutes, and get that quick six-minute workout in, and you did your brain uh, you know, a nice favor going into that afternoon. But, and they compared it with like low intense, like walking for hours, jogging for, you know, hey, all different things. And they found intense for six minutes was by far the best on this criteria. But after that, because... Even people trying to be smart can't leave good enough alone. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get my fun. They went and they mentioned later on, without any lead-in or talk about it, that fasting and exercise are rarely studied together. I went back for the article three times and couldn't find. So there must have been something they edited out <laughs> where they talked about fasting and exercise. Because they, they just made a comment that it's rarely talked about together. And I'm going, yeah, like in this article it wasn't. <laughs> But, oh, uh, but they just said there was no difference between those fasting and those mm. didn't, but they didn't mention anything about fasting previously. Yeah, so that, that's it. But the, in that, they said that, and then they go, we think fasting and exercise can be used in conjunctive to optimize production in the human brain. But once again, they kind of are left hanging that we're not sure exactly why this is. And But they did say why, you know, they're kind of like saying it's weird to even ask about them together. And actually... Evolutionarily, it's a completely almost necessary thing because fasting and exercise in a more natural environment, when you're starving, you spend more energy looking for food. Mm-hmm. So being very also your you know, energy. basically forced to fast and forced to exercise are a combo in nature. Uh, go goes hand in hand. You hold well. So in this situation, with the right gut biome, forcing you to exercise more, not only do you get your dopamine, but if your exercise is high intense, you get your BDNF. BDNF. So keep that brain nice and strong and you get a little reward for it too. I mean, that sounds like a win-win. It sounds like you might, you're, at least your brain will be living longer. <laughs> so more and more as we go on, Here's yet another article saying your brain might be important. Mm, That's why our sponsor is all about that. Eh, Top-down approach. Mm. Make sure the, the, you know, your brain's very powerful. Mm. Don't forget that, people. Those who say they can and those who say they can't are both usually right. Action is the foundational key to all success. Pablo Picasso. True success is overcoming the fear of being unsuccessful. Paul Sweeney. Success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you are doing, you will be successful. Albert Schweitzer. It always seems impossible until it is done. Nelson Mandela. For success, attitude is equally as important as ability. Walter Scott. The ladder of success is best climbed by stepping on the rungs of opportunity. Ayn Rand. Mark, have you ever heard of epigenetics? Of course I have. What do you take me for? In fact, the shock of being so insulted by that question has caused me to activate certain genes in favor of certain others and highlight them. Well, 
while we're on that, uh, they they looked at a study using identical twins to see if exercise played a role in adjusting their epigenetics. And if, you know, so as a real quick bringing it back, epigenetics are... Exactly what I said happened to me when you insulted me by asking if I know what epigenetics are. <laughs> yes. Um, but for the, the average individual, uh, environmental factors can affect your current genes. Now, they do lead to alterations in your DNA from on the exterior. You should see the methylation, acetylation, phosphorylation, and those allow for certain genes to become more easily accessible to uh, for transcription to make the proteins that those genes code for or less accessible. So even within a restriction of, for now, these genes are these genes, you can change how much one gene is used and how much one gene is silenced. Exactly. So just because you you have the genes that code make you more prevalent to, say, a disease or make you more prevalent uh, for, you know... Uh, if you move someplace that was much colder because of... And, and oh, your blood flow, you start, whatever. And it has been found that, although it doesn't, as I said, really change the genome, but it's not simply that we need this gene now. It actually does something saying this gene is always going to be much easier to turn on and this gene is going to be much harder and that can be passed on to the next generation. Yes, that could, in, your, in your gametes, those sperm and egg cells can be adjusted by your lifestyle and that's not just like, oh, exercise and that's all wonderful, but exposure to pollutants, smoking, drinking, all those bad things could also adjust your epigenetics and you could pass that on to your, your kin, the next generation, your offspring. Right, and basically uh, what this did was by looking at identical twins who basically their basic genetics uh, blueprint they had from birth is the same but may have led very different lives. So the epigenetics, the favoring of certain genes over others in the long term, not just what you're using in the moment, could be different. And Indeed, when they tested it, they were. Otherwise, they wouldn't have bothered publishing, would they? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you you are correct. Uh, but the only they, well, they looked at, I believe it was like seventy or a hundred different sets of identical twins, but not all of them met the requirements of you know having one individual that worked out or was more physically active than the other enough where they could actually make a distinction if there was an epigenetic difference. Yeah, they also had a really weird criteria. They were they were calling lots of it and not lots and very little and they're going above Above 150 was one, below 150 was another. So if they had one set of twins at 149 minutes average a week and the other one at 151, they were in two different categories. But if it was 151 and 3,000 or 149 and two, those were each the same categories. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, they they probably gained all the data first and like, where's going to be our our cutoff line? What do you want to do here? Not so much of what the spread is, which right. is probably more important. Yeah, and you should have had it more uh, kind of geometric. Like if one twin does uh, 70 and the other one does 140, it's double. They're in different groups. Mm-hmm. If one does 140 and the other one does 160, they're pretty much in the same, same group. Yeah. 280 would be a different group, you know, so maybe 50% more difference. 
But yeah, 149 and 151, just having a cutoff at 150 seems a little weird. All right. Well, poor study, uh, you know, set up aside. for the, what the consumer should take from this is that physical activity is not just good for your brain, for your gut, but it also is good for your genes. Yeah. I, I also, just to be fair... I'm not the denim uh, ones. I hate being fair, but we're always playing telephone with, there was a study done, then they then they wrote down, then someone communicated, then someone wrote it down, then we're reading it. We're playing telephone. Mm. So the simplistic way that it came to us was a weird setup. That so let's say questionable setup. Before we say poor setup, it might have been really different. So, so the uh, the middleman's to blame here in the explanation. Uh, the uh, communication model uh, has to be uh, held for questioning yeah, for before question. we right. come to a conclusion. I'll give you that. Okay, so. Uh, but in any case, they were even finding like differences in prevalence of metabolic diseases mm-hmm. uh, because of different cell types affected through epigenetics, and this time they were looking at exercise. Now, of course, if the only difference in the twins is exercise, that's one thing, but if the twins lived in different places and had very different, a million other things about the environment... There's more to account for. Look, they say you can't change your genes, but in some regards, you're not changing them. You're just changing their use. So, right. And there are two different questions here. Does a study find epigenetic changes do these things? That would be an easier answer. Is it just the exercise that's a more complicated question because there are other factors too. Many variables that they don't mention. In it. Right. So they might say, well, we, we found like uh, in 200 cases without looking at all the other factors, but the one who exercised was in all 200 cases was like this, then it's the exercise. But when you're looking, you're saying there's a tendency, there might be other things involved. Who lived in the city that's got a high pollution level while the other one's running around in the uh, rural countryside? Right. Even with two exercises. If you're running around in the rural countryside, then you're deep breathing, hopefully decent air, and the exercise does certain epigenetic changes. If you're running around deep breathing alongside a highway, you're going to have epigenetic changes to protect you from some of the stuff you might be breathing in. Diesel fumes, which we talked about Mm. previously. (laughs) Diesel fumes. Making you dumber. Mm. All right. Well, before you know, we... Inhaling car fumes directly from a tailpipe always reminds me of being a little kid by a good humor truck. <laughs> mm, ice cream. That's an interesting memory, having ice cream all... Well, you were standing behind the truck. It was running. <laughs> waiting for ice cream. <laughs> all right. Well, if uh, from a... Negative standpoint, I was living a wild life of smoking and drinking and just, just, you know, a lot of negative uh, effects on my gene from an epigenetic standpoint. Can we reverse this, Mark? Well, they didn't go into it in this thing, this uh, article, but I... Nobody talked about things being damaged. Now, you are talking epigenetics. Remember, it's not just I use the gene now. It's I'm changing things to favor it. Mm -hmm. So if you could change it, it would be a very long-term thing, which means if you had one lifestyle till you were 30 and then you moved and for 40 years had a different lifestyle, then it might. Now, the question is, if you have kids 
after you've had a 30 plus or 40 year lifestyle and mm. you're passing. Yes, so passing it along becomes another question. Yeah, well, with kids aside, if I want to wipe off those methylated and acetylated genes and try to get back to a better state. If anyone doing these studies is listening, you've just received a great suggestion for the next study. this life is ignorance and confidence and then success is sure mark twain i attribute my success to this i never gave or took any excuse florence nightingale the secret of success is to do the common thing uncommonly well john d rockefeller jr my powers are ordinary only my application brings me success isaac newton Work hard in silence. Let your success be your noise. Frank Ocean. All right, Mark. Epigenetic cocktail mm. from the fountain of youth to reboot yourself. It's Reverse that aging. Oh. Can it be done? It's Can we rebuild him? Can we make him stronger? It's interesting. Uh... For those who don't know, the last thing we ever talked about was epigenetics. It's not your chance. I think the epigenetics changed our genes to keep talking about epigenetics. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, just to review epigenetics, it's you have your genes. They are what you have. Uh, but this decides that if you're using one gene so much, it's going to change things so that it's easier to keep activating that gene. And another gene might be suppressed that it's harder to start that gene. And you can pass on that tendency to the next generation. More, more active or less active. And these yeah. changes are, are caused by mostly environmental factors. You know, right. pollution, so, exercise, drinking, uh, where you live, etc. Right, so it's as if your total, the control panel, its total range of abilities is the same, but the abilities it's tending to use when it controls things are leaning a different way. So this particular article found that uh, there were changes you could induce kind of like to reboot a lot of cell types epigenetically and make things basically help a lot of metabolic problems, could fight certain metabolic diseases, and in a lot of measurements make you younger. Yes, they talk about um, activating certain genes that are have high activity in, say, stem cells, but are much less active as we age. And it's essentially a gene therapy cocktail, which sounds interesting and scary in some regards. Um, but this gene therapy cocktail showed a reduction in age-related biomarkers, and I believe uh, increased the lifespan in this in in mice, which was this um, study was done on, by ten percent. Right, and what they found was there were uh, three genes they centered on. Uh, it looks like a baseball score. It was OCT4, SOX2. KLF4. So on October 4th, the Red Sox have two runs, 
And the Yankee shortstop has knocked in four. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming he's still the Yankee shortstop. Uh, so... They can. The, it seems that when the epigenetics, when they d- rebooted the stem cells, these were very important mm-hmm. uh, genes, and now they can make a cocktail to kind of uh, reactivate, put them. these genes yeah. in, and maybe make you younger, better than you were before, faster, stronger. Well, ten percent. If I do this at say sixty, take six years off of that, right? So. Kind of every few years, you take one of these cocktails and just clean yourself up a little bit, like a tune-up, you know? Mm. So, and then if you get a little, you know, if you drink it, then drink some the next day, then the next day, then the next day, then the next day. That'll lead to cancer. Oh, oh, oh well. <laughs> Too much of, a, of something is never good. Well, until these gene therapy cocktails could be sold at your nearest Seven Eleven, um, we will have to wait as they continue to, you know, improve the experiments on mice and, you know, the full fountain of youth. Unless you could find it somewhere in Florida, for the rest of us, we will be waiting as modern medicine works its way there. Um, yeah, if you all you know, you gets available now for the right price, you know, of, of one billion dollars. A mere fascination, a billion dollars. Yeah, maybe Elon's making ah. someone is, uh, you know, in the Tesla labs. He'll, he'll sell a handful and then move on to something else like he always does the, after uh, flamethrowers. He, he, he has enough trouble working on range of the car, much less starting the range of lifespan. Mm-hmm. Mm, but I'm bummed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, very true. Thank you again for joining us. Greatly appreciate it. We appreciate all the love you guys have been sending our way. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, share. Um, if you have any questions or things you'd like to uh, like for us to discuss next time on the podcast, you could please reach us at podpod at kinetic, K-I-N-E-T-I-Q, life.com. And as always, I'm your host, Mike Shalavudis. And most of the time, I'm Mark Hertzberg. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Kinetic Life Podcast is sponsored by Kinetic Renew. Kinetic Renew is a four-ounce shot of all-natural ingredients that deliver some amazing benefits, like improved mental clarity, long- and short-term focus, and improved memory and cognition. Plus, Kinetic Renew improves mood with the added benefits of anti-stress and anti-anxiety. Here's what people are saying. I drink a bottle of Kinetic Renew, and I'm in a better mood. It's like waking up on the right side of the bed. (laughs) It's great. My mental focus is clearly better. I do notice that I have better clarity definitely improves my mood for sure. It reduces my stress. Visit KineticLife.com today. Log on now and use promo code POD1 for 30% off. That's 30% off your order when you use promo code POD1. KineticLife.com. K-I-N-E-T-I-Q Life.com. Do it now. You're going to love Kinetic Renew. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Life Podcast. Catch a new show every other Thursday. You'll find us everywhere you can listen to a podcast. And remember, be safe, have fun, and go for your dreams. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. 
comments, jokes, views, and ideas expressed are those of the hosts or guests and do not represent any company or organizations with whom they may be affiliated. Always make sure to consult your own physician before starting any new diet, supplement, or exercise routine. Oh, and there's one more thing. If you're working on something that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. Steve Jobs.